0: This is a News Laundry podcast and you're listening to Reporters Without Orders. Order, order. Hello and welcome to Reporters Without Orders, a podcast where we discuss what made news, what didn't and some things that absolutely shouldn't have. This is yours truly, Cherry Agarwal, and this week we have with us Khalid Khalid is an Associate Fellow at Observer Research Foundation. His research work focuses on the Kashmir conflict, insurgency and cross-border terrorism. Before joining ORF, Khalid had worked with two leading English news channels. Hi Khalid. Hello. Welcome to Reporters. Thank you for joining us today. How have you been?
1: I've been well. I mean, uh, no contact with family since 4th of August. Uh, so really waiting for the government to lift the clamp down and be able to speak to family and know about their whereabouts
0: wow that must be tough
1: well it is tough it's unprecedented because we have never come across such a situation i mean i've lived in kashmir in 2008 and 2010 when we had curfews i mean i've lived sick uh, two months which is mm-hmm. somewhat around 40 between 40 and 60 days under curfew mm-hmm. where you could barely oh, wow. go out of your house but even then, you could salvage the situation because um, there was communication, there were landlines, there, land there were newspapers. Uh, mm. At times, the security forces were okay to let you go and buy stuff. Now, we don't know what's happening out there. And mm. the, guy, the area that I come from is generally very volatile and the restrictions out there are pre- pretty strict. So, I don't know. I mean, I don't know what to make of it, but I'm hoping and praying that everything is fine. I received a... A text message from my brother who sent it from a hospital where due to a technical glitch, uh, SMSs were going across to other people. That too on only one network. And I managed to speak to him for 15 minutes, exchanged a few messages. And after that there's been no communication. And I think this was five to six days back. Mm -hmm. So I think everybody is really looking forward for uh, the government to restore the communication lines. There were some news reports that the landlines might be open, but I think it's very unlikely.
0: Okay. I want to come back to Kashmir and what's happening there, but before that I'd like to introduce our other panelists. We also have our news laundry Hindi correspondent, Basant Kumar.
2: Hello, Namaste.
0: Kaise Kya hal ba? <laughs> <laughs> Ayush, as you know from his dispatches is away in Kashmir so he wouldn't be able to join us because of course there's no communication with him either and Gaurav is running slightly late because we are recording really early in the morning it's 9am yes that's early for us but in the meantime we can kick off. In the last podcast, we briefly touched upon events that unfolded in Kashmir, the abrogation of Article 370. What does it mean for the people there? What does it mean for the rest of India? But neither Ayush nor I were experts. So today, we have an expert with us, Khalid. So Khalid, before diving into the analysis of what scrapping of Article 370 means, what 370 itself means, how it was done, could you give us... Sort of a brief analysis, a brief highlight of what happened, a brief summary of what happened. And what does 370 mean for people in Kashmir?
1: So, uh, the princely state of Jammu and Kashmir uh, acceded to India after regression from Pakistan. And uh, the uh, accession document, which is now uh, being made public, makes it clear that the Maharaja of that time clearly said that the defense, uh, communication, and finance will be under the government of India. Mm-hmm. And uh, he acceded to the Union of India owing to the external aggression. And uh, the Indian troops landed in Jammu and Kashmir to fight mm-hmm. the Pakistani aggression. Uh, after that, uh, many years later, the Constituent Assembly debated its uh, relationship with Jammu and Kashmir, and Article 370 came up. And Article 370 was uh, reflected the essence of the instrument of exception. Uh, in a sense, it gave an a, a greater autonomy to the state of Jammu and Kashmir, where uh, the chief minister was called the prime minister of Kashmir. We had a sadar area. The mm. state had its own constitution. Outsiders could not uh, come uh, in to buy land, mm-hmm. uh, even though that law was pretty old. That law came from 1927. I'll come mm. back to that later. So the special status, uh, in a sense, made uh, Jammu and Kashmir the only uh, a state in the union which had... Uh, a great degree of autonomy in making decisions, mm. but over the years, uh, the special status of Jammu and Kashmir was hollowed out, and Congress mm. Party, uh, through its, uh, uh, I mean, puppets or what you may want to call or their own people in Jammu and Kashmir, managed to kind of, uh, uh, you know, uh, all the special provisions were kind of taken out. Uh, from Jammu and Kashmir. And most of the provisions of the Indian constitution applied to Jammu and Kashmir. Whereas if you look at it 370 or what the Maharaja's accession document said was that the laws, uh, parliament cannot really impose any laws upon the state. But I think uh, uh, the Congress really went forward uh, what the government now calls, the BJP government calls integration in a very slow, gradual process. Is that Mm -hmm. they hollowed out the entire uh, special status, this Article 370. And what do
0: you it, mean when you say hollowed it out?
1: By hollowing it out, I mean that uh, the most of the provisions of the Indian constitution started applying to Jammu and Kashmir. Mm-hmm. Uh, so now it was reduced to a shell. Uh, there were three or four things which really made it a special status. One, there was a separate flag of Jammu and Kashmir. Mm-hmm. Two, there was a separate constitution. The Article 3 of that constitution says that Jammu and Kashmir is an integral part of India. Uh, then uh, there was a Rambir Singh Penal Code, like the IPC didn't apply in Jammu and Kashmir, but there was Rambir Singh Penal Code. For uh, there is a, uh, there were various other laws which were slightly different from the laws in the Parliament. Some of the hmm. laws didn't apply at all, but the state had its own laws to deal with such uh, a situation. So that's what the special status was. It was basically a symbolic uh, thing. Hmm. There was nothing significant in it. And Apart from the land bit that oh,
0: people from outside Kashmir Jammu and Kashmir couldn't buy land
1: The land bit was not a part of
0: 370
1: It the, was th- 35A It was 35A The 35A came into uh, being actually the similar law came into being in 1927 mm-hmm. When Kashmiri Pandits and Dogras in uh, Jammu and Kashmir uh, uh, agitated and uh, wanted the Maharaja to have Kashmir for Kashmiris only that okay. was the slogan of that time. And Kashmiri Pandits and dogras felt that the outsiders coming in from Lahore, mainly Punjabi Hindus, should not be able to have jobs and buy land in uh, basically Jammu and Kashmir. So what happened is that Maharaja gave in a notification that outsiders will not be allowed to buy land and enjoy government services. And that's how 35A uh, the lo- a law similar to that came into being, which we call Article 35A. So the proponents historically have been the proponents of a law which excludes uh, Jammu and Kashmir from other parts or uh, bars people from buying land mm-hmm. are today its most vocal uh, uh, opposers, like Kashmiri Pandits, a large section of them, and dogras in Jammu. Uh, so that was different. That came in even before mm. uh, India got independence. That was okay. 1927. But now that the government has revoked that, I see there are murmurs coming in from Jammu BJP itself that there should be a degree of domicile status because mm-hmm. the people in Jammu are feeling threatened that uh, most of the land will be bought in Jammu because mm. Kashmir Valley, o- owing to its law and order situation, not many people will go there. Mm. So coming back to the special status, was basically a hollow shell. It was not really, it didn't give any power mm. Uh, to the state of jammu and Kashmir, the government has failed to explain what special powers were there which prevented the government mm-hmm. from really uh, doing anything or implementing any decision so in i do
0: want to ask we've said this again and again that uh, it's been hollowed out so if it's been hollowed out then like d- does it mean anything for it to be scrapped i mean if it holds no value anymore
1: Well, there are certain things which hold value. For Mm -hmm. instance, it had a very symbolic value for the people. It also guaranteed a degree of protection to their identity, to their culture and demography. The revocation of 35A, in my sense, is going to create a lot more uh, trouble, a lot more uh, resentment in the people because they will think that outsiders are going to now come settle down and Mm -hmm. turn the indigenous population of Kashmiri uh, Muslims uh, or Kashmiris in general into a minority, which I think may not be a rational fare, which may not happen immediately or may not happen at all. But people do feel very emotionally about it. People mm-hmm. feel very emotionally about that land. And it's true for every other place in Kashmir. It's just that feeling towards that land is mm. a lot more uh, stronger. That's mm. one. When it comes to 370, I think there was not much out there for the government to really Consider it was just a hollow, symbolic kind mm-hmm. of a, a, a situation where people felt a little special, and mm-hmm. uh, the government decided to revoke it. It it didn't it do, it won't bring in any difference uh, to the situation on ground tomorrow. Let's say okay. the law and order situation will remain the same. Mm-hmm. The militancy will remain the same. The security situation will remain the same. Okay. The government talk about development. Maybe yes, uh, there are there is some merit to that argument. But that merit is also very partial. Okay. So for people now, uh, from what I have read in the newspapers, they're fearing a sense of a demographic onslaught. And okay. that fear will really ring very deep uh, into their minds and psyches because historically we've had this notion that you know there is a degree of exclusivity or tribalism. Is that your fear too? Well, it is, but if you look at it rationally, I mean, uh, there are two ways of looking at it. One is tribalism, which is a commonplace in Kashmir Valley, where people think that the outsiders should not come in, we should, this land should be exclusively meant for Kashmir, Kashmir for Kashmiris, mm-hmm. as I said. But the other way of looking at it is that it's such a place where nobody will come in. It's a hellhole. Mm-hmm. Who would mm-hmm. want to live in that place, mm-hmm. particularly Kashmir Valley? Mm-hmm. Maybe in Jammu, people may go in and invest, mm-hmm. but I don't think anyone's going to invest in Valley. You know, if you look at it, Jammu and Kashmir is one state. The people of Jammu have never moved to Kashmir or brought bought land there. It's very significant mm-hmm. that the Dogras in Jammu or the Jammu Muslims uh, didn't really bother to go to Kashmir Valley to buy land, whereas Kashmiri... Kashmiris living uh, in Kashmir Valley did go to Jammu and set up colonies which are Mm -hmm. specially meant for Hmm. Kashmiris. So when Dogra who was legally allowed Hmm. or a Jammuite who was legally allowed to buy land in the valley, didn't buy land in the valley, why would anyone else do it?
0: Why did that happen? Why did people in Jammu did not not feel welcome?
1: There could be a sense that they didn't feel welcome but in today's age I mean, what's there to not feel welcome in Valley? Number one. Number Mm. two is the security situation. Nobody wants to go and invest in a place where you don't know what tomorrow looks like, Mm -hmm. when the next curfew will be imposed, when there will be a Mm. communication blackout, when there will be a terror attack, when Mm. there will be an encounter, Mm. when there will be a shutdown or a hartal. Mm. So Mm. that uncertainty really pushes investors away. You know, investment, even if someone is going to buy a land and buy a Mm. house in some place, is based on some degree of positivity. And the greater sense that a good will come out of it. Mm -hmm. In Valley, there's none of that. You see Mm -hmm. people in Valley are really moving out for jobs, for education, for Mm -hmm. a better life, or to just get rid of that place and live in a peaceful environment. So that's, I think, will be a consideration for anyone wanting to go and uh, live there or wanting to buy there or wanting to set up businesses out there.
0: I want to come back to this conversation but I want to go to Basant now. Basant, you is follow this issue. What I want to understand is a section of the English media has uh, sort of announced that have Kashmir India ka part of India. Kashmir has all, always been a part of India. Mm-hmm. So could you tell us a little bit about what Hindi media's coverage in particular has been?
2: Jo English in hi Hindi. Mein bhi hai. और मुझे तो लगता है हिंदी में कुछ ज्यादा ही है क्योंकि डे वन से ही तमाम हिंदी चैनल और अखबार बता रहे हैं कि सब कुछ मस्त है वहाँ पे कल दैनिक भास्कर ने एक फोटो पब्लिश की है दो आर्मी वाले हैं और तीन लड़के हैं लड़कों के हाथ में बंदूक है इन्होंने लिखा है कि तस्वीर श्रीनगर की है यही नहीं बच्चे और जवानों जवान साथ में क्रिकेट भी खेलते देखे जा सकते हैं यह कितनी हैरानी की बात है कि जहां पर लोग ईद नहीं मना पाए हमारी स्टोरी हमारे राहुल कोटियाल वहां से स्टोरी कर रहे हैं कि इतनी बड़ी मस्जिदें वहां पे नमाज नहीं पढ़ने दी गई घरों के अंदर नमाज पढ़ना लोगों को पढ़ना पड़ा उसके बाद तमाम
0: चैनल से
2: What
0: I also found very troubling was how if you're reporting, let's say, from an area, let's say, if there is nothing happening in that lane or let's say about in the 10 kilometer radius, the same situation will not prevail in another section of Kashmir. What do you think? Would you agree to that, Khalid?
1: Well, yes, I agree to that. See, uh, there are hot spots which are generally very volatile. And mm-hmm. uh, these hotspots have been like that for a very long time. I'll tell you my uh, way of reading it. For instance, the shutting down of, you know, what is my normal is not the normal elsewhere in uh, the country. For instance, shutting down of mosques is not new. Okay. You know, if you look at it, it may seem very... Odd to you that big mosques have been shut down, but this is not for the first time they've been shut down. Number one, number two, when it comes to protests, I don't think there have been any significant protests, and I don't think there will be any significant protests in the short run, because there is a.
0: Sorry, sorry for butting in. What are your thoughts on the NYT and Al Jazeera, BBC stories? I think
1: that's normal. On a Friday, it's not very odd to find that there will be an eruption or there will be a protest. Mm Uh, even that protest in my opinion was very subdued because we have seen far more violent and far more intense protests and Mm -hmm. I don't understand why the government is so hellbent upon saying that everything is fine when the government itself knows that there are hot spots which erupt on every Friday and Mm -hmm. it's kind of normal. There's nothing untoward about it. There's nothing unusual about it. It's just that the government has created this propaganda, this narrative that everything is normal, everything is calm, everything is quiet, every Kashmiri is happy. That's why even a single incident, which mm-hmm. shows a protest, work, works against the narrative of the government. And that's why you see news channels really parroting that kind of a narrative. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, uh, uh, my sense is that, yes, some places will be peaceful, some places will be calm, some places will have more traffic on a curfew, some places will have no movement at all. Mm -hmm. It Mm -hmm. really depends where you are at and how you look at the situation. If you Mm -hmm. talk to someone and ask him, he'll say, yeah, everything is fine, I bought uh, vegetables and I have rice stored and everything is fine. But if you scratch the surface, if you go really deep, you will realize that there are problems which are very unique to Kashmir. People may have found ways of working around them, but even that, that, that normalization of that situation hmm. where you are under curfew or you're when, where you are under 144 one, hmm. in itself is problematic. I want to know two things. <laughs> First, Amit, Raja Sahaba and Lok Sahaba said
2: that there is the lot of violence, there is a lot of violence, there is a lot of violence, there is a कि सरकार कुछ योजनाएं लागू करती है वहां पे लागू नहीं होता जैसे सर शिक्षा का वहां पे बच्चों को मुफ्त शिक्षा दी जाए तो क्या 370 होने से ये तमाम नुकसान थे और दूसरा सवाल है कि आपने कहा कि ये तो आसान नॉर्मल होता है हर फ्राइडे को वहां पे जामा मस्जिद के बाद जामा मस्जिद के बाद प्रोटेस्ट होता लेकिन इस सिचुएशन में अगर कोई भी प्रोटेस्ट होता है तो उसका थोड़ा होगा क्योंकि सरकार लोगों को समझा रही शेष इंडिया में कि सब कुछ नॉर्मल नॉर्मल है और तीसरा इसी में मैं जुड़ देता हूं कि नेशनल मीडिया चाहे जितना भी बता दे कि सब कुछ नॉर्मल है लेकिन मैं कश्मीर में मैं भी रहा हूं 10 11 दिन रहा था रिपोर्टिंग के लिए तो मेरी जो समझ बनी थी कश्मीर में रहते हुए मुझे नहीं लगता कि इतने आसानी से वहां पे सब कुछ नॉर्मल होगा आपको क्या
1: लगता आप तो कश्मीर से हैं देखिए पहली बात Development, पर अगर आप देखें जो स्टेट के डेवलपमेंटल major है जो ममेज डवलॉमेंटल परराटर उनमें बाकी स्टेट से काफी अच्छा है ठीक है even... मैंने भी एक आ, रिपोर्ट की थी जिसमें की इक्नॉमिक वेलबिंग की रिपोर्ट की थी कि, कि कश्मीरी एक एवज इंडियन से ज्यादा पैसा स्पेंड करता है, है और, आ, historically, पिछले कुछ सालों में थोड़ा कम हो गया क्योंकि बाकी स्टेट्स ने जो है प्रोग्रेस ज्यादा किया है नंबर नंबर टू जो वह कहते हैं कि करप्शन बहुत सही बात है 100 percent करप्शन जहां पे फैक्ट हो फैक्ट को आप अडमिट करिए Kashmir mein is the most corrupt state in uh, India. There is no doubt about that. You nah have so, to null, you have to get a connection without money. You have to buy government services The government has been made for your work, you have to buy it for your work. You have to buy a in a building You have to permission can build my house. So corruption there. The एक roadblock बन गया है डेवलपमेंट का रोड ब्लॉक मेरे ख्याल से बन गया है करप्शन क्योंकि जो भी पैसा सेंट्रल गवर्नमेंट से आता है वो वो करप्ट पॉलिटिशियंस ब्यूरोक्रेट्स आपस में बांट लेते हैं और जो कॉन्फ्लिक्ट सिचुएशन है वो उनकी फेवर में वर्क करती है कि जब कॉन्फ्लिक्ट होगा दूसरी बात जो आपने कही कि नॉर्मल क्या है देखिए प्रोटेस्ट जो है बहुत सबड्यूड है और ये प्रोटेस्ट सबड्यूड रहेंगे बहुत समय तक उसके रीजंस है पहली बात जो सब लीडर है जो लोगों को अगर आप कहे प्रोवोक करें या लोगों को लीड करें वो रेस्ट में है वो बंद है दूसरी बात कम्युनिकेशन ब्लॉकएड की एक और जो है मेरे ख्याल से पॉजिटिव है क्योंकि मैं सिक्योरिटी वगैरह भी देखता हूं कि पाकिस्तान की तरफ से बहुत मिस इंफॉर्मेशन आता है मैं भी कई ग्रुप्स में हूं टेलीग्राम चैनल्स में हूं झूठी खबरें फैलाते हैं यहां पे जी लोग मारे गए यह हुआ कुरान तरह की रही आज भी आ रही है फेक न्यूज़ जो कि कोई भी नहीं है आते हैं जो जो कि मेरे अपने सूत्रों से खबर है कि हर एक लेवल पे उन्होंने अपने लोगों को बिठा रखा है जो लोगों को प्रोवोक करते हैं कि आप स्टोन पेल्टिंग करिए यह करिए वो करिए या उनको पैसा दिया जाता है कि आप करिए वो भी सच है तो वो दूसरा बट मैं आपको हिस्टोरिकली एक इंसिडेंट पे लूंगा कि इवेंट जो हिस्ट्री में कश्मीर की हुआ है जो कि बहुत इंपॉर्टेंट 1987 का इलेक्शन जो रिग हुआ था 1987 का जो इलेक्शन रिग हुआ था साल Everything is okay और उस समय राजीव गांधी और फारूक अब्दुला ने जो मिलके जो election रिग किया उसमें एक जो कश्मीर की largest political party जो कि बहुत popular थी वो government के साथ थी आज की date में government के साथ कोई नहीं है जो mainstream है जो pro India लोग माने जाते हैं वो तो कहीं है ही नहीं वो तो सब arrested है उनके जो लोग है वगैरह उनकी जानें खतरे में है बीजेपी के जो अपने लोग हैं वैली में जो कि उनके वर्कर थोड़े बहुत कुछ है उनकी लाइफ खतरे में है मेरे को तो लगता है कि वो कश्मीर से शायद भाग गए होंगे ये मैं पूरी इसके साथ कहता हूं गारंटी के साथ कि सबसे पहले उनकी जान खतरे में पड़ेगी तो सिचुएशन नॉर्मल नहीं रहेगी 87 की तरह जैसेViolence ब्रेकआउट हुआ था 89 में हुआ था 2 साल साल के बाद मेरे ख्याल से वैसे होगा शायद अभी अगर कर्फ्यू हटाया जाए even Aish was mentioning that it feels like a tinderbox. And like Khalid
0: is saying that if the government uh, sort of uh, releases, eases the clampdown, there might be violence and the government might use that as an excuse to impose the clampdown again. But Khalid, since you have been... Uh, also looking at international relationships when it comes to Kashmir. You've already weighed in a little bit about what Pakistan's role has been. Uh, What would, would the UN be able to do anything in this situation? What would China's role be? Is there anything, any role that US is looking at playing?
1: Uh, Before I respond to your question, uh, I I want to talk about the people's response. Agharap News reports padenge, you could see that people are a little uncertain about what's happening, what they hold for future. Mm-hmm. And in last few days, the reports that I have read and the kind of reactions that I get Kashmiri friends from here in Delhi are also very interesting. One, because of the restrictions, there is more and more anger brewing up with the people, number mm-hmm. one. Number two, there is anger against media. I mean, the reports that I was reading yesterday and day before, now people are explicitly saying that we are angry with the media, the way the media is portraying the situation. Mm-hmm. So, deere restrictions jab gussa jayega, it'll become kind of a pressure cooker situation. And many people have written, who are uh, right of center for instance, have written that the government should give vent uh, to this situation. They can't let a pressure cooker situation build up. So, I think that there is a clear way that this clampdown continues, it will continue. Rahega, utna zyada mein Talking about the international scenario, I think Pakistan is in a bit of a fix. One, because uh, they are on a very weak wicket when it comes to cross-border terrorism mm-hmm. they have taken the issue to the united nations uh, security council but i don't think much will come out of that because not many people were uh, predisposed towards it you know i mean p5 countries china is of course on their side but russia uh, france i think will side with india united states will side with india so uh, for uh, b- b- pakistan because in- they look at india as sort of an answer
0: to China's growing hegemony?
1: They look at India as a uh, uh, answer to China's growing hegemony, number one. Number two, they look at trade relations. Number three, they look at arms deals. Uh, number four, also the larger stability in governance i don't think the stability and governance they look into their interest and their interest right now particularly usa is to contain china number Mm -hmm. one Uh, number two their interest is trade and market and access to indian markets which they have Mm -hmm. so they have more interests in india rather than in pakistan they may think that okay they may need to maybe give india a bit of a nudge but they Mm -hmm. don't want to do it because they don't want to uh, uh, ruffle feathers with India, China. In my opinion, their, sta- their uh, stance will again be subdued because China is also wanting good relations with India. China also but has China a
0: China good... has already said that China wasn't in, isn't in favor of this, and they have said something about being very serious. Uh, they have told India to sort of back off, take very serious talk of the situation.
1: I think when it comes to rhetoric, yes, they will uh, ratchet up uh, rhetoric, mm. but. Mm. When it comes to proactive diplomacy, Mm -hmm. I don't see much happening there. Mm -hmm. They may, Pakistan may kind of, uh, because they have a very strong relationship with Pakistan, Pakistan may kind of want them to do more. Mm -hmm. Uh, But in my opinion, we've seen past as well how Mm -hmm. they kind of, at the last moment, betray pakistan on the indian side like for instance the listing of um, uh, uh, jashim Mohammed and masood azhar mm-hmm. uh, i think china will kind of continue to play both sides because okay. I, I don't think they want bad relations with india they are also keen on having see china is uh, uh, the biggest china exports a lot of uh, goods to india china has access to indian market why would they want to basically Uh, get away with it. Whereas Mm -hmm. in Pakistan the problem is that they invest, they send in money, they have to put in money. Because for
0: them Pakistan is sort of an answer to India or a way to keep the region, sort of a section of the region under their control.
1: Well yes, but uh, in the larger game they do see India as a problem, but tactically maybe in last few years, Hmm. um, particularly after the Wuhan summit, they have tactically shown inclination towards India mm-hmm. because they don't want to push India too further into mm-hmm. the towards the Western mm-hmm. uh, strategic partnerships. Uh, that's one. Number two is market. They have serious concerns about market. Number three is that China, in my opinion, doesn't get a lot from Pakistan. China may get its strategic advantages from Pakistan, but from India, it has a a fledging trade relationship. China also needs the 5G deal. Mm. <laughs> they may push and hedge and kind of arm twist India at so this you, moment, you, but they want the 5G deal to go through. So basically
0: China and Pakistan going to the UNSC will, you don't think will result in anything significant? See,
1: number one, it's a closed door session. Yes. Number two, for them to give a statement, majority of the nations have to be on board. That will require very uh, hard diplomacy for both countries to issue a public statement. Mm -hmm. So we'll have to really wait and see what happens there. Mm -hmm. I don't know what's happening at UN because I'm not there. But it's quite possible that China has been proactive on the diplomatic front to at Mm -hmm. least uh, tell the other uh, countries of the UN Security Mm -hmm. Council to be on India's side. But remember, there are the three big daddies, which is India. (laughs) uh, Sorry if I use the wrong word. Remember, there are the three uh, big powers Uh, Russia, U.S. and France, which are going to be on India's side, which Mm -hmm. also hold a lot of uh, diplomatic heft. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, in my opinion, I think we should kind of wait and see. But I think the only leverage that Pakistan really has, which is a very significant one, is Afghanistan. They can actually derail the Afghan peace talks and arm twist and blackmail uh, America into doing something. Because... Trump is desperate to go out. Trump mm-hmm. is desperate to take its uh, troops out and use that uh, p- the Afghan peace deal mm-hmm. as a, a campaign uh, uh, point uh, for him to come back. And he really needs that deal. He's desperate. I mean, he's really kind of uh, wanting to submit to, to the wishes and uh, uh, fancies of Taliban to really come out of Afghanistan. That, yeah. I think, is going to be mm-hmm. a very significant uh, thing and we'll have to see how that pans out because from what I'd heard they're almost near to a deal and I don't know how Pakistan will really uh, play that hand okay
0: while we wait and see what happens at the UNSC our wait for Gaurav is over hello Gaurav
3: (laughs) thank you for finally making it here I was here 20 minutes back guys I was just waiting for you all to wrap up Kuch bhi matlab Listeners, if y'all are listening, <laughs> this is not true They've just been cutting me out intentionally
0: <laughs> So, why were you late? Honestly uh,
3: Honestly It honest was the traffic No, honest confession I was binging on Sacred Games last night So, I woke up late today in the morning Wow Who has slept up?
2: Tell me, I don't want to see it I'm watching others who are listening
3: Don't give out
0: spoilers, guys So, Gaurav, you've been following the Unao case, right? Yeah we'll Uh, be talking about that. I'm really interested in what's happening in court. But what are your thoughts on the Kashmir issue? uh,
3: Well, I think you all have covered most of the diplomacy and what's happening on the ground. I Mm -hmm. wanted to quickly make a point about the legality in the manner of, uh, you know, which 370 was removed. Mm -hmm. It was dismantled using the President's notification under Article 370, Subclause 3b. Okay. Now, according to Subclause 3b, you can use the President's notification to get rid of Article 370, but... It has to be in concurrence with the constituent assembly of the state. Mm-hmm. Now, the state doesn't have a constituent assembly. For, it's not had one for a while. So, to remove 370 by using 373 subclause B, mm-hmm. is, that route is completely shut.
0: And that is what the Supreme Court had ruled, I think, last year.
3: Uh, I'll, tell, I'll give you an example of the Supreme Court also, but 373b route is shut because mm-hmm. you need the concurrence of the constituent assembly, mm-hmm. which means that now to, to do this in concurrence with the state legislature, you will need to use 368, go back, amend the constitution saying that instead of concurrence with the constituent assembly, let's make it state legislature, mm-hmm. but you have to use 368, which is the only amending power in the constitution. Mm-hmm. Because you've not done that is why this is grounds for being called unconstitutional. Mm -hmm. That is the main legality aspect of it. Now, coming to... a judgment that was passed in 1968 Sampat Prakash versus the state of Jammu and Kashmir uh, I've spoken to a few experts you know a few constitutional lawyers who believe that when this is moved in the supreme court when the dismantling of 370 is moved in the supreme court the supreme court will have to revisit its Sampat Prakash judgment because mm-hmm. over there it ruled against the state of Jammu and Kashmir so it looks very complex that you know it's just not the it's just not a case of opposition parties or anyone moving the supreme court in favor of dismantling article 370 mm-hmm. or whatever it is mm-hmm. but In order for the Supreme Court to actually come out and say that this was unconstitutional, they will have to go back to a 1968 judgment, first say that was delivered wrong, Mm -hmm. and only then can they come back to 2019 and find their way Mm -hmm. ahead.
0: I want to throw this open to the panel. There are about six petitions about 370, about the clampdown media freedom in the Supreme Court. Do you guys think these petitions will bring... Any change. Given that my understanding is apart from one petition, which two MPs from the National Conference have filed, and one was filed by an editor for the rights of, for restoration of rights of journalists, the other petitions do not seem to be packed by legal heavyweights. So I don't know. I'm.
1: Well, I think uh, if at all there is a legal battle, it's going to be a long drawn legal battle. But yeah. uh, from what I understand is that. See, it's uh, basically what the courts are going to rule, or how the courts are going to see the situation, is very interesting. But at the end of the day, Parliament is the highest lawmaking bo- mm-hmm. body in the in the country, and the debate really is so complex that it's very difficult to predict what's going to come out. But sure. in the immediate uh, uh, future, we will not see a ki- kind of resolution to this legal debate. I think it will go on for some time. Maybe on the petition uh, regarding the journalists, uh, that may have uh, some effect, or that may really be heard by the court uh, very soon. But if you remember, there was another petition about clampdown, and the government, the uh, 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 court really said that let's wait for two weeks, and mm-hmm. the government needs some time to bring in normalcy. So it seems that the courts are kind of, see, the courts in the country go with the public mood. Mm-hmm. and that's a fact. Mm-hmm. They go with what the public opinion is like. But
3: they're not supposed to be I'll influenced by a little that. I'll uh, actually disagree with uh, with you on that one, Khalid, that the courts doesn't necessarily do what the public wants, or so they don't really flow with the public sentiment and flow. Uh, if that was the case, we really wouldn't need the judiciary to execute justice in general, because then you're just saying that majority wins, irrespective of who's right or wrong.
1: No, no I mean, my sense is, from what I understand, is that courts do take public opinion into a serious consideration before ruling on such sensitive matters. I mean, that's an important clarification. You may take it or not. But talking about news media and reports, you know, something that came in my mind is that I read reports stating that 300 leaders have been arrested or Mm -hmm. 500 leaders have been arrested. We don't know names of these people. Who are these people? Where have they been taken? Everyone is talking about Omar Abdullah and Mahbubah Mufti because they're prominent ones. Shah
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, And Shah Faisal now, who's the third person, who, third prominent voice. But who are these other 300, 400, 500? How? I don't know what the exact number is. The government mm-hmm. hasn't really come out. Some people have been moved to Agra. We don't know who these people are. And it's very important. And nobody has really gone to the court and said that if there are political leaders who are these political leaders mm-hmm. were they the, uh, did they contest elections mm-hmm. did they contest ulb polls did they contest panchayat polls what is their standing on the ground
0: so, uh, basant kavita krishnan and economist Andres had gone to kashmir and visited several areas and you were able to speak to them what were their thoughts and i before we were recording you were mentioning that people um. from different areas are being detained
2: सा अभी चार लोग जानदरेज और कविता कृष्ण समेत चार लोग पांच दिनों तक रह के वहां से आए हैं तो उन लोगों से जो मैं उनसे इंटरव्यू कर रहा था तो उन्होंने बताया कि कई हर गांव से लगभग 10 बच्चों को कई किसी गांव से 12 किसी गांव से 15 ऐसे उठा लिया गया है किसी पे पत्थरबाजी का आरोप था किसी पे नहीं भी था हमारे अ, न्यूज़ लॉन्डर हिंदी के корреспондेंट uh, राहुल कोटियाल की रिपोर्ट है जिसमें वो बताते हैं कि कई लोगों को गिरफ्तार किया गया है जो मतलब उनके घर से उठा लिया गया है ये बारामूला जिले का कोई सीवी थाना पड़ता है जहां पे 14 लोगों को गिरफ्तार किया गया है वहां के एसएचओ से राहुल कोटियाल बात की तो कहा कि उनको गिरफ्तार किया जा रहा जो पथरवाजी में शामिल हैं लेकिन कई ऐसे लोग भी हैं जो हमारी रिपोर्ट में ही बताते हैं कि जिनके बच्चे पथरवाजी में शामिल नहीं थे उनको लगा कि हां यह हो सकता है कि प्रोटेस्ट में शामिल हो सकते हैं 12 साल 15 साल 18 साल के नौजवान हैं उनको रख, उठा के लेके आया गया और इवन यह भी नहीं बताया जा रहा कि रखा कहां गया है किसी को आगरा भेज दिया गया है वो कौन लोग हैं if I are Darjna, you are, to Agar Bina, if I are Darjukis, you Graftarki, Jara, Rakhajara, to family Kitchinta Baja, think you Kasmirme, Halatra, to Graftarkiagia, or Badme Patachalaki, Mardiagia, Yakahi, as a cabrebiatira here. I
0: mean, the only question that really troubles me here is whom do you believe? Do you believe the administration? Do you believe the locals? Do you believe the media? narrative of what's happening on the ground situation?
2: I will my correspondent.
3: Basan has a good point, you know, like, we do trust our correspondents. Ah, but aha, let's just, let's, how about just look at the only facts that no, we know? No,
0: I'm talking about how does the correspondent, I'm not talking about Rahul, but how do reporters on the ground trust the information that they are getting? You were also a reporter, Khalid. So when you go out to report, let's say, uh, Families are saying that their kids have been arrested and they did not participate in a protest. And this is not necessarily about Kashmir. Let's talk about Chhattisgarh. Uh, families are saying that you know their family members have been arrested or they were when they were taken away by the police, the army, the paramilitary. But the paramilitary is saying ham tu leke nahi gaye. Or they are saying that uh, Naxals. The. How? Whom do you believe?
1: See, in this there are shades of grey, and it's very difficult to find out the truth. I'll tell you, I don't think there may have been only 12, 12 detentions or arrests as you, I, I don't know if there are arrests or detentions. But I for think an arrest, in there,
0: just one station. Yeah.
1: Uh, I mean, for an arrest, there ought to be a, an FIR and stuff like that. There will be a lot more
3: mm-hmm. and
1: uh, we, don't, we will not get to know the scale of it because the government won't reveal it. Your correspondent, wherever he reaches, will hear these stories. But for the entire valley, he may not be able to come up with a ballpark figure or, a, or an estimate or even an approximate number. Because mm-hmm. it's very difficult to figure out, number one. Number two, and, and this is, again, another normal that uh, people are picked up, families don't know, families say that they were not stone pelters, police alleges they're stone pelters, and in between, there is the truth is lost. We don't really get to know. But... To find out truth in such a situation for a reporter, I think is a nightmare. You don't really know because you were not there on that spot to see that boy, whether he was a stone pelter, whether he was a cricket player, or whether he was just normally loitering around. From my own personal experience, from what I have seen in most cases, people who are uh, involved in stone pelting or uh, flag raising flags or creating graffitis, they're the ones who are put under preventive detention or they're arrested, or the more hardcore ones, who are like hardcore stone pelters, they're put under PSA. That's the general Mm -hmm. practice.
0: Last one question before we move on from uh, the developments in Kashmir was, and uh, yesterday... Prime Minister Narendra Modi gave his Independence Day speech and I was expecting it to be this huge speech because of what he did in Kashmir. And I want to quote one bit where he spoke about the aspirations, I'm quoting him right here, the aspirations of people of Jammu and Kashmir and Ladakh need to be fulfilled and that is our responsibility. So we have taken on the task to remove their problems. And this sort of... I understood to be his justification for abrogation of 370. And earlier when we were discussing, we spoke about how Kashmir has become a tinderbox and there might be more violence and people do not actually welcome scrapping of 370. But what about this sort of narrative that people, actually the truth, people have come on camera and said that. People in uh, sections of Jammu, people in Ladakh, have welcomed this.
1: See, I'll tell you, and not many Kashmiris will admit it, but I tell you as an objective uh, analyst on Kashmir situation or Jammu and Kashmir, is that the people of Ladakh have a reason to be happy. This has been their long-standing demand to become a union territory, and they've got it. They've got it because their identity is different, their culture is different, their history is different, and they, in a sense, felt caged even with uh, being a part of Kashmir region because their aspirations their development were really you know it's a, it's 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 quintessential majoritarianism where kashmiri muslims got to decide about what they wanted for ladakh and it should be, we should not be reluctant in admitting that, number one. Number two, Jammu is happy because Jammu also felt that way. Jammu felt that uh, the, we uh, don't get a, much of a say in the governance. We they I don't know to what extent it's true. They felt that discriminated gains, that Kashmir gets more attention. Kashmir gets more development. Kashmir gets more developmental funds. So people of Jammu will also kind of be happy. And there mostly a large section of the population there is, Uh, uh, pro-BJP. And that's true. But what's really interesting here is that we have heard voices from Ladakh, which I believe are okay. They're quite in tune with what they want. Voices from Jammu, yes. There will be dissenting voices in Jammu uh, as well. And those dissenting voices will come from the Dogra population itself, number one. Because of issues
0: you've already addressed. Yes,
1: those we have not heard. Number Mm -hmm. two, there's a significant population of Muslims in Jammu. Mm -hmm. No media has really gone and spoken to them. We have Mm -hmm. seen voices coming out from Kargil, reports coming out from Kargil, but nobody has really asked Muslims in Jammu how they feel about it. And that's very important because if they feel alienated at this point of time, I think that's going to be a dangerous security situation because Mm -hmm. the Muslims of Jammu have always sided with India. They have always been predisposed towards the army. Mm -hmm. They have always kind of worked as a buffer particularly on the line of control when it comes to, if you look at it in, in terms of the security, number one. Number two, they're also the ones, they're usually tribals and scheduled caste, scheduled tribe people who also feel discriminated uh, from Kashmiris because Kashmiris don't consider them as Kashmiri enough. Mm -hmm. For an outsider, you may see them as Muslims, but Kashmiris don't see them as Kashmiri enough because their culture is different. Their identity is different their language is different so for them their aspirations are also important but when it comes to valley it's understandable that people in valley uh, don't feel good about the decision Uh, the people in valley have always had this kind of a grouse so when uh, prime minister says that he has fulfilled the aspirations of people of jammu kashmir and Ladakh, is partly correct jammu and Ladakh, yes kashmir valley no not at all
0: okay so again, I'm throwing open this question to the panel. Jammu and Kashmir, it's a very complex topic and there's no one solution. But what do you think will help solve this crisis? Very ek saval, brief answers, please. Ne,
2: ne, isse pehle Yes. कि मान लीजिए कि जैसे सरपंच और पंच के चुनाव में हुआ बीजेपी में, के काफी संख्या में लोग जीत कराए क्योंकि बाकी दलों ने वहाँ पे प्रोटेस्ट कर दिया था कि हम चुनाव नहीं लड़ेंगे अगर अमित शाह ने कहा कि हम जल्द ही चुनाव कराएंगे एक साल के लगभग अंदर में अगर चुनाव होता है और जो पीडीपी है और नेशनल कॉन्फ्रेंस है वो भाग पार्टिसिपेट नहीं करते हैं और बीजेपी जीत जाती है जहां पे अगर चुनाव लड़ती है तो उस स्थिति में क्या बीजेपी सरकार बना पाएगी ऐसा क्या लगता है आपका
1: मुझे अभी लगता है कि एक डिलिमिटेशन एक्सरसाइज होगी और उसके तहत वहां से भी शुरू हुआ क्योंकि वहीं से शुरू हुआ कि नई दिल्ली की सरकार दोनों पार्टीज को जो है बहुत ही ज्यादा क्रिटिसाइज करने लगी तो डोंट बी सरप्राइज्ड कि अगर सब लोग जो है चुनाव में पार्ट्सपिट करें क्योंकि उनको पता है कि अभी अगर वो नहीं करेंगे बीजेपी के लीडर जो है और बीजेपी के जो कैंडिडेट अनकंटेस्टेड आगे बढ़ेंगे आपने फ्यूचर की बात की फ्यूचर मेरे पिछले सेंटेंस कि अभी आज की डेट में कोई बफर नहीं है मेन पार्टी जो एक बफर बनी थी वैली में वो करप्ट थी हां वो प्रॉब्लमेटिक थी हां बट कहीं ना कहीं एक नॉन वायलेंट डेमोक्रेटिक वे ऑफ एक्सप्रेशन था और एक पॉलिटिकल प्रोसेस को रिवाइव करना कि वैली में इलेक्शंस हो वैली में लोग his decision to challenge him in a violent way or in a radical way. That's a big challenge. Because he said that Farooq Abdullah, who is in Kashmir, is not going to be able Usually, Kashmir is going He is more loyal than the king. He is हुँ. an Indian to the core. He is not in Kashmir. in jail. So, how you convince that the election? Oh, speaking uh, for India so that's gonna be a big challenge
0: okay Gaurav
3: I'm just gonna answer your question in probably one line yes please brief the, the hope for a better future lies with electing a better government the next time straight up both
0: okay then but this is where we'll move on to the next topic uh, Gaurav you've been lurking in the halls of Delhi court. yeah
3: it's just been my life for the last nine days Tisajri uh, court
0: so you've been able to pick up on all these legal jargons?
3: Most of it, yeah. But uh, I don't really advocate using legal jargons while writing your copy. Cause, okay.
0: I so mean, do you also like go in there with a cloak just no, to... No, no, no,
3: no, not no, not at all. In fact, I go sometimes exactly like this. And oh, wow. Judge Sharma is like, you reporter? You <laughs> don't <laughs>
0: So you've been following the developments in the Unnao case. Yeah. What's happening there?
3: So let's do a little bit of a recap first. Uh, about eight nine days back, the Supreme Court transferred four out of five cases in the Unnao rape incident to a trial court in Delhi, which is the Tis Hazari court. And they named Judge Dharmesh Sharma, who uh, is one of the highest judges at Tis Hazari. They told him that look into these four cases, frame charges, and the trial has to be over within forty five days, which is huge. You know, it's it's a, it's a it's a very big case. You have five cases simultaneously running in that. Uh, you have about 52 witnesses on one side, 76 on the other side, 40 of them are common. But the sheer uh, pressure to complete this within 45 days is huge. Anyway, so uh, it started at and, uh, so once the Sajri, and so once the hearing started, uh, it started with the first ever incident of alleged rape against uh, ex-BJP MLA Kuldeep Singh Singer and his aide Shashi, Shashi Singh. So both of them were produced in court and the first charges that were framed against them was for the incident that happened on June 4th, 2017, Mm -hmm. which is when the Unnao rape victim was, uh, the the Unnao rape survivor was kidnapped, allegedly kidnapped, uh, taken to Sengar's house where she was raped. And this was the first ever incident that happened. Now, without getting into the intricacies of it, there's a second incident where she was kidnapped and uh, allegedly gang raped as well. That is a separate case that is going on. Uh, there's, just to give you a breakdown of the four cases that Judge Sharma is looking at. One is the June 4th, 2017 incident of rape. Uh, the second is the incident of gang rape, alleged gang rape. The third one is uh, filing uh, filing a false document against the father of the victim under the Arms Act. Because apparently there was a pistol planted, a desi katta and cartridges planted on him. And the fourth is the cause of death of the father in judicial custody. Let's be, uh, he didn't die because he was in judicial custody, he died in judicial custody because he got beaten up before and then uh, instead of sending him to the hospital, the CMO's office in Uttar Pradesh decided to send him to judicial custody, which is where he died. Mm-hmm. So the charges first framed against Kuldeep Singh Singer and Shashi Singh were, were of murder and there was a huge debate in the first two days as to whether this girl is was actually a minor or not when when the when the rape was committed. Uh, there was a huge debate over that for at least one and a half sessions of, of, of that day. And both sides, including the prosecution and the defense, put forward their points. What was concluded? So uh, the court has also issued a sort of a media, uh, ref- has also asked the court to refrain, has, has, has asked the media to refrain from talking about the documents that were put forth. But let's just say that there were strong documents put forth by both parties, prosecution and defense, to say that the girl is was was a minor or wasn't a minor. Now the court went on to listen to the CBI and they said,
0: I'm waiting for you to tell me who, whose side did the judge rule in?
3: This uh, in, 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 in the hai. first. Oh, Basant, judge said that she was, she was a teenager. She, she was falling under the uh, POSCO Act at the time. Mm-hmm. But in, initially only sections 3 and 4 of POSCO were uh, charged against Sengar now what day is
0: before,
3: 3 and 4 3 and 4 is kidnapping and without consent okay but uh, dharmendra mishra who is the counsel representing the victim the survivor in this case he day before yesterday applied or argued for sections 5 and 6 to be implemented as well and in 5 and 6 one is one refers to taking ad- undue advantage of your position as a public servant mm-hmm. and 6 refers to uh, aggravated penetrative assault so these two things uh, have a much higher have a much higher punishment it's 10 years it's non bailable all of that is there and uh, judge sharma imposed these sections as well so as of now let's just say that the cbi and the uh, uh, and the and the counsel for the victim are on a roll because just through arguments they have been able to get each and every section that they have argued for imposed upon shashi singh uh, kuldeep singh Sengar and his brother Atul as well as the other three policemen from Unnao involved.
0: Hopefully the prosecution in the Unnao case will do a much better job than the prosecution in the Pehlu Khan lynching case. I mean six of the men seen in the video lynching this person just walked free.
3: And the court said it was lack of proof apparently.
0: So this video wasn't sent for forensic analysis. No, um, it was. It wasn't. At that o- is w- that is what the reports are saying. It wasn't. That is what the judge said. I'm like, which prosecutor doesn't do that?
3: Hmm. No, in this case, at least the CBI and the and the survivors' council seem to be seem to be fighting very hard, very hard against getting the because at least what my read on the situation is that. They don't want to go all out in the beginning. They want to save the the main part of the batting for the end, which is when you impose all the sections and get something like life imprisonment or like the death penalty, which is now applicable under POSCO.
0: Do you really think it'll be over in 45 days?
3: Well, uh, I've been asked this question a lot and Judge Sharma is actually going at an incredible speed because he's already framed charges in two out of the four cases. Mm -hmm. The trial for one is beginning today, in-camera proceedings will begin today itself Mm -hmm. and it'll happen in a high high protection witness room which is where Mm -hmm. the witness and the accused are kept separate by like a window. And the accused cannot look at the witness who's deposing against him. So he's going very fast. He in fact keeps reiterating that se order ki five days.
0: So in the quest for justice, if we it sounds like when you keep saying it's going very fast, is it like steamrolling justice?
3: Uh, in fact, I'll quote one of the uh, defence lawyers who's representing singer. He's told the judge in court, uh, "Quote unquote, justice Harid is justice buried because Judge Sharma kept framing charges one after the other, and he's he's actually been listening to the to the arguments from nine in the morning till about six in the evening, yeah? and then the order comes out after six o'clock." It's a different thing. Reporters need to stand in the courtroom from 9 to 6 in the evening. But this judge has been regularly every day, including the second Saturday of the month, which is when all courts across the country are shut. He took permission from the High Court to our mm-hmm. hearing on that day as well. So he's hell-bent on getting this done. And let's be honest, it's also a very big case for him. It's a very high-profile case for a district judge to be handling.
0: Okay. Uh, moving on from this case, uh, Basant, what did you think was underreported over the past week?
2: तो नहीं लेकिन मैं गौरव से एक सवाल भी पूछना चाह रहा था ये कोर्ट कवर करते हैं और मुझे लगता है उस पे कम नजर भी गई है कल ही पहलु खान के मामले में परसों 14 तारीख को छह लोगों को रिहा कर दिया गया वो लोग वीडियो में मौजूद हैं इसके अलावा ने पिछले साल एक स्ट्रिंग के just sorry, before you answer this, just a brief context for our listeners. in April
0: two thousand and seventeen, pelukhan Khan and his sons were on their way to their village. They were transporting cattle that they had bought from a fair. Their truck was intercepted by a group of vigilantes on the Jaipur Delhi highway who dragged the fifty five year old out. And thrashed him. He later died in a hospital. The video of this incident is what uh, Basant is referring to. And the video shows the men yanking Pehlu Khan out by the neck and throwing him on the ground and kicking him repeatedly. Gaurav, you are answering his question. So,
3: first of all, I've not been following the Pehlu Khan case since it started. But here's my read on the situation that, as of now, they've been acquitted by a Rajasthan uh, by a, by a district court in Rajasthan. So, there's always the option for the family members to move a higher court. Hmm. Uh it it's obviously no it's it's not a well-kept secret that judgments that come out of lower courts are 99% of the time appealed in higher courts so just because they've been acquitted right now doesn't mean that the the family cannot move a higher court which i think they mostly will but that doesn't really answer the question of do they really need to go through another three, four, five, six years of struggle Absolutely. with a higher court?
0: And like there the defense,
2: is defense. Uh, this is exactly. exactly
0: what I wanted to say. I mean, the defense law is saying justice hurried ha- is justice buried, mm. but if there's no justice and you it comes do. after 20 years,
3: hmm. I mean, no, I get just I, completely, leave that hanging. I completely get the point you guys are making, but that's just that's just how the judiciary works if a lower court. Rules against something or rules in favor of someone The person always has the freedom to move a higher court So, I mean, yeah It's 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 really not the end of the story I don't see why everyone's calling this the end Or like just because they're acquitted They're going to walk scot-free You can always move a higher court against them
0: uh, I just want to say that there were nine accused Six uh, were <laughs> adults And three are still... Mm-hmm. Three were minors who were accused and that case is still going on. So hopefully this case will be appealed and we see justice. <laughs> t- so that brings us to the close of the podcast because Parikshit is showing me the phone, waving guys, it in my before, face.
3: Before we actually leave, uh, there's a small, tiny announcement that I want to make that uh, this is actually Cherry's last episode hosting reporters without yes. orders she's leaving us she's exiting she's breaking hearts all over sarvodaya but uh, just wanted to say goodbye to cherry in general bro i'm
0: i'm going to be working don't worry but to ghar
3: reporters pe aayegi abhi reporters to nahi aayegi phone
0: pe nahi kar sakte na host
3: kar de parikshit can she do that
0: zarur
2: zarur zarur wo me kyun hai
0: ha ha kahan se dialogue
2: आगे वाला नहीं बोला। I think we <laughs> should nominate Basant
3: as the next host. Oh, oh, oh Hindi Basant. Two Basant. Two questions will be
2: in English with him. अरे
0: बिल्कुल start your own <laughs> Hindi podcast be like Basant के साथ चर्चा। सर्वोदया करविश। सर्वोदया करविश। No, I think he'll be the new Basant. Doesn't have to be a version two of He's anyone. He's already
3: told you this, ना कि मुझे रविश नहीं, मैं Basant नहीं बनना। नहीं वो
0: रविश ने इनको But that brings us to the close of the podcast and uh, panel to share your recommendations.
3: Yeah, I have two quick recommendations. The first one is uh, an opinion piece by Arundhati Roy. It was written yesterday for the New York Times. It's called The Silence is the Loudest Sound. Uh, It's a must read, according to me. I read it last night before going to bed. It's very intense. And the second is, guys, do not forget to watch Sacred Games Season 2. It's been blowing my (laughs) mind since last night. And you guys just have to watch it.
0: Okay. Basant?
2: I and i see
0: parikshit nodding his head ha ha meri jagah hua tha 5 baje tak
2: main puri zimmedari se baat kehna cha raha hu ki kashmir ke mamle mein national television pe jo chal raha hai usse bachna chahiye tamam darshak jo bhi hame sun rahe hain listener wo national television ke propaganda se bache aur newslandry ki report padhe rahul kotiyal ki aur jo aap independent journalist
0: hmm.
2: News
0: Such a nice pitch. I really loved it. Guys, I'm just going to second Basant. Please subscribe to News Laundry because when the public pays, the public is served. When corporations, advertisers, governments pay, they are served. If you want to see more reports from the ground, please subscribe and help independent media survive. Uh, Khalid.
1: Well uh मेरा यही रेमेंडेशन होगा कि कश्मीर कम्प्लेक्स है एक न्यूज रिपोर्ट के बेसिस पे या कुछ आ, किताबों के बेसिस पे आप उसको समझ नहीं सकते कश्मीर पे आप किताबे पढ़िए काफी सारी किताब है आ, जो के मेरे ख्याल से एक पूरी लाइब्ररी कश्मीर पे है। कश्मीर को समझने के लिए इंपोर्टेंट के आप उसकी को mm-hmm. और वो आपको से ही मिल share,
0: uh, some of the books that you read to get an understanding of
1: There is an interesting book called The Lost Rebellion by Manoj Mm Joshi. There's another one uh, called uh, The Story of Kashmir by Mm -hmm. David Devadas. Another, his recent book, The Generation of Rage in Kashmir, is also a very good book. The third, fourth book, which is which is (laughs) kind of an unusual recommendation, which is very, uh, I mean, kind of unusual coming from me, is The Secret Jihad by Praveen Swami. It's, it's, it's an interesting book on how Pakistan really meddled and has been meddling in Kashmir since 19. It's, it's a very important perspective.
3: Okay. Also guys, if you're listening to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, CastBox, or any other podcast app, please do visit our website, www.newslaundry.com to check out the other cool stuff that we've been doing.
0: Like quizzes, which Ayush usually supposed to do, but they never come <laughs> in, just like him. Uh, so that's a wrap. Thank you, everyone, for listening to us. I hope you really enjoyed my recommendation, which I didn't give earlier, is just go back to... <sighs> the previous few episodes of Reporters Without Orders, we've really tried to sort of create a resource for journalists, for listeners. If they want to visit an issue and get an understanding, we've really tried to get experts who would be able to weigh in on the issue. And if you have any feedback for us, please write to us at contact at newslaundry.com. You can reach me on Twitter. You can reach Gaurav and Ayush on Instagram. Spam Ayush on Instagram. This oh, is my... Yes, that's my recommendations. Pam Ayush on Instagram. <laughs> Basant, you wanted to say
2: something. you
0: I think it was it was a very good learning experience. Sometimes I would just lose my chain of thought, and Parikshit would be like, oh, अभी तो editing karna पड़ेगा। breaks <laughs> But I mean, it's incredible working with a team that supports you. For all the banter, back and forth and punches Ayush and I throw at each other, I think he's been very supportive for this podcast. Gaurav brings in his own perspective. And after Rohin left, you brought in that Hindi media ka perspective which we were missing. And guests like Khalid, we've had so many guests who bring in such important perspectives. So it's been quite a learning experience for me. The first podcast that I did as a reporter's ka host... People could sense the fear in my voice.
3: But it now was... everyone's just like, Cherry's voice is so good. We only want to listen to reporters because of Cherry's voice.
0: Absolutely. <laughs> I'm going to carry this in my heart. And I'm Don't going cry. to...
3: Don't cry. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, not that much. Uh, so that's a wrap. Thank you, guys. Please spread the word about this amazing podcast. Uh, you can tweet about it with hashtag reporters without orders. And always remember...